Well, this morning, we're going to jump right into the teaching time, and uh, we've sort of streamlined a few things today. Maybe that's why they put me on, because then I can just... <laughs> uh, anyway, you'll, you'll be sick of my voice if you're not already, but hang on. This is good stuff. Hang on. It'll be, it'll be good. So this morning, we want to just spend a little bit of time wrapping up uh, the year of 2020 by talking about and reminding ourselves of the Pilgrim Church the purposes, why we are here doing what we're doing. And then I also want to just talk a little bit about what we're going to do in 2021 in terms of teaching myself, uh, Andres, our guests, others that will be rotating in, but sort of the main thrust of teaching in 2021 and why I think it is absolutely vital to the future of this church, to your own spiritual health and your personal life and your life with others, and why I think this 2021 year and focus, particularly in the first several months, is going to be a game changer for us at Pilgrim and for friends that may be joining us as well as we discuss partnership with other church, um, that I think this is something that is just so important, and I want to just give you a little bit of a teaser today about that. So this morning, um, by digging in, I mean, 2020 has been, what a ride. I mean, who knew at this time a year ago, none of us knew that we would be beset by a global pandemic. And even this last week and a half, we're learning about new strains of the virus, and they're trying to figure out if the, if the uh, vaccines that are being rolled out will also work for it. It sounds like they are, because the, the mutation is so minor in terms of the actual uh, vaccination. But still, there's lots of unknowns. So the time doesn't mean that the church uh, simply goes into a cave. It means that we as people of hope and faith and people who believe in healing and restoration want to move fully into what does it mean to continue to embrace those things in a new season uh, as a people and as a people called to those around us in Vancouver. So let's talk a little bit this morning about reviewing our main purposes at Pilgrim Church, which I think will be encouraging, and then the little snapshot of 2021's teaching and focus. But let's pray before we do that. Uh, would you join with me as we pray? Lord, thank you for this time together today. And what a joy it is to gather uh, online and Christmas Eve to sing together and to hear the ancient story of your entering into your creation personally and physically with a body, um, Lord, and the implications that has for us, all people everywhere, all time, that God becomes part of God's creation um, and makes claims on us because of that. Oh, Lord, we thank you that your word is truth and light and life. Lord, we thank you that your word is authoritative. It is unfailing. It is, uh, it is a sure and steady thing. And uh, Lord, it is without error. And Lord, thank you that your word is you, that you are the living word, Jesus. So God, may we lean into that today and may that inform us as a church community in Christ's name. And if you're willing to say amen. Okay, all right. Speaking mostly of the camera and then a few people dotted in the room, our volunteer team here on this last Sunday. So I want to remind you this morning, what guides us at Pilgrim Church? About two and a half years ago, we started working on a vision statement and a mission statement and purposes around that or values around that. And this really guides who we are. And I want to tell you why this is so important to remember. Because when we forget what we are called to do or called to be as a people, anything can sort of take over and suck the energy towards it. 
In churches that are wrestling with health issues, oftentimes, if there is no clear sense of who are we called to be as a people, the heritage of the church takes over. The little T traditions of the church take over. Um, someone with a strong personality and an agenda can take over because there's not something else to sort of right the ship. There's not a map to go back to. There's not a, a, a reference point or a guide. And any sort of wind that comes along can blow that church. If, if this is the hot hip happening thing down the street, then we are driven by the thing down the street. Uh, if this is the next happening thing or the next strategy or whatever, we get blown by everything that comes around if there's not a clear sense of vision and identity and purpose. This is why this matters. And we see it again and again in churches and in our own individual lives. Setting goals for yourself going into 2021 can be a really profoundly um, sharpening thing to do for who you are and what you desire to see in your life. And I would encourage you as an individual to say, what is my vision? What is my purpose going into the new year? What are some things that you can identify in your life that, you, that God would be God-honoring and would line up with who you were called to be in the next year? Name some of those goals. Maybe those goals relate to uh, relationships. Maybe those goals relate to finances. Maybe those goals relate to how you engage with your health. Maybe those goals relate to, I don't know, there could be any number of things, but I challenge you as a person, as you go into 2021, list out, write it down, things that you sense God might be leading you in or your own desires, uh, influenced by the Lord or not, name those things. You may not accomplish them all, but beginning to name them is a huge step in bringing clarity so when other things come along, you can... Measure them against your list, as it were. Does it fit? Should it fit? Should I make space for it? Or should I know that it'll be a distraction from the things that I am called to do as a person in this new year? So this is the importance of vision and values and things that guide us in our lives. Set some goals is sort of the baseline for that. So as a church, we've decided, uh, we've discerned and decided some time ago that we wanted to simplify one statement that clarified what are we about as a church, and then all ministry strategies are measured against that. So as a church, we have come up with this statement that says this. It's very simple, and this is on our website as well. You can see it almost on everything we put out. We exist to love our city, and love is bold, by the way, love our city, bold to invite our neighbors to flourish by rooting our lives in the outrageous love and life of Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time because this is important to remind ourselves of as we finish one year and we begin to move in another one. We as a community of faith, let me put it in reverse for a second if I can do it. I didn't write this down, but uh, we do not exist to be a cultural club in Vancouver. We do not exist to be a building maintenance society in Vancouver. As lovely and as important as real estate and buildings are in Vancouver with one of the highest rates in North America, we do not exist to be a building society. We do not exist simply to be a, a compassion ministry, although we absolutely believe in doing compassion, but it flows out of something bigger. We do not exist to be a pew maintenance or chair sanitizing society. We do not even exist simply as an online church to sustain uh, production and to send things out. That is not our core mission. That comes out of things secondarily. But we exist to love our city, to invite our neighbors to flourish by rooting our lives in the outrageous love and life of Jesus. This guides who we are to be as a people and the strategies that we develop are measured against this. Does it help people? Does it help us love? Does it help us care? 
Does it help us bring about the sense that everyone is created in the image and likeness of God and that Jesus died for all people everywhere for all times because of his love, as the old gospel hymn says. It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross, but it was his love that held him there. He could have come down, but the world would still be lost. It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. Anyway, someday maybe we'll, I can get our worship team to do that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but love, does it help us do that? Are we an invitational people, a hospitable people, a people of hospitality, even COVID times? We have to learn what does that mean. Uh, we're still wrestling with that. But it is part of our core vision to be an outrageously outward-facing people. That it's not just about hold the fort till Jesus comes, a bad old hymn, uh, hold the fort till Jesus. It's about there is no fort. We're knocking down the walls. It's about hospitality as described in who Jesus is. And who are these people that we're called to invite? Well, the favorite people around me that look just like me and like the same things I do and geek out about the same things I do and love baby Yoda like I do? No. Our neighbors. And Jesus answers this, who is your neighbor in the parable of the Good Samaritan? Your neighbor happens to be the person that God places in proximity to you at any given moment. Your neighbor is the person who may not look like you. Their food may smell different. Their clothing may be different. Their social economic status may be different. They may drive a Fiat. You may drive a Maserati. You, they are your neighbor to invite them <laughs> into flourishing. And this flourishing word in our vision statement, I think, is just lovely. Because scripture uses the imagery of a plant or a vine flourishing as the image of God's people, ancient Israel. And that's even brought in and into the New Testament. In fact, in the Old Testament, some of the Psalms are about when Israel wasn't flourishing. People, people wrestling with God saying, God, why have you tore down the protective wall around the vine? In the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me, and I will remain in you. And as long as that happens, there is life that causes the vine and the branches to grow, to flourish. And to flourish means to produce fruit. And that fruit means things like magnifying relationships uh, rooted in God's outrageous love for all people. That fruit can mean things like finding your own spiritual gifts and your skills as an individual person. That fruit and flourishing can be known in community. And we are called to invite people to flourish with their primary identity rooted in God's love. We believe that that is what God has revealed in Jesus in tearing down religion, that we flourish as we become known by God and others. And then we can grow in all the different areas and are gifted in uniqueness that he has given as well. I could say so much more about that, but this is just a little summary message. And rooting our lives, rooting our lives. Paul says this, I want you to be rooted and grounded in God's love. This goes back to that love thing defined in Jesus again. In the outrageous love and life of Jesus. And so these words guide us as a church. We are not primarily to be known as all of our secondary or third level things. Our church should never be known primarily by uh, the style of preaching, expository or topical, yes to both. And there's many ways of doing that. Our church should not be primarily known by um, the worship style we have. Do we have an organ? Do we have a guitar? Our church should not be primarily known as what well, we started as a monocultural immigrant church. Now we're many cultures uh, uh, church 
Most of us are first, second, third generation. That's great. That's important. But that's actually not our primary thing. Uh, That's a beautiful outflow of the primary thing. We could go on and on and on. Our church is not known as a church with a certain kind of building or a certain kind of uh, put anything in there that is not that. We put that in the secondary, third, or lower place in our decision-making and prioritizing as a body. So this guides us as a church. This is rooted, by the way, in the great commission and great commandment of Jesus, uh, which we could say is the mission of every local church. Like every local church should say things like Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, the prophets hang on these two commandments. So in Jesus' uh, great commandment, it's again this love commandment. So you say, well, why do we have love in our vision statement? Isn't that, you know, sometimes I I hear the fundamentalist side saying, oh, that's so ethereal. You can't pin it down. Well, actually, we can pin it down by Jesus. Life teachings, death, resurrection. That is our guiding understanding of what love does, what love looks like, how love reacts, how love responds, uh, what informs love. It is Jesus, and we can spend our whole life uh, learning and leaning into that by his grace. He said, love God and love others. And he gives priorities there, by the way. He says, this is primary, and this flows out of it. So if you're saying, well, how can you name things primary? Well, Jesus named some things primary, and we want to follow Jesus in what he's naming as primary and secondary, and then everything else falls under that. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus said this, There go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. All of the life and teachings, death and resurrection of Jesus is core to what it means to be a local church. Every local church should be Jesus-centered. Unfortunately, we're not always, sometimes we get distracted by second and third level things because we're letting too much of our cultures of origin influence the church. And there's, there's an intricate balance. There are intricate in, informing that needs to take place in terms of being on mission with God. But there's a point where it tips and it it's becomes idolatrous. We could spend weeks talking about that. But he says, teaching everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And so these things inform our vision and our values, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. So if you're following along, the first statement here this morning that we talked about is our vision statement. We actually have it on the wall in this room to invite, we exist to love our city, invite our neighbors to flourish by rooting their lives in the outrageous love and life of Jesus. This, of course, is informed by what should be the mission of every local church, the great commission and the great commandment of Jesus. Love God, love your neighbors, go, make disciples, share in baptizing. And baptizing means making new community, by the way. Uh, We're baptized into community by this scandalous community of local churches in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching and living it out, and that he promises to be with us by the Holy Spirit. And then the last little reminder this morning I want to get to before we get to the second half of the message by way of who are we as a church, our values. Now this team came up with these values and over time we may add to these values or modify them, but these values sort of flow out of that vision statement and the mission that informs all local churches. Our value statements are pretty simple, straightforward statements here, but they're important to us. And we're going to spend a lot of time in the next couple months on two of these values in particular. Uh, Authentic community. We value authentic community at Pilgrim. 
And that means that meaningful relationships matter. And I tell you, with COVID, this has really been a struggle for most churches and most people. How do you build authentic community when you really can't gather in that face-to-face environment where you see the verbal cues and you learn people's different ways of communicating and and you pick up all that? And, And we know that that's been a struggle in this year. But meaningful relationships matter, and you'll see in our strategies of doing ministry why this, this informs that directly. Because of Jesus, we stated this, we are a spiritual family. And I love this. Some of us come from great families of origin. Some of us come from families of origin that we would rather just forget. And most of us are somewhere in between. All of us have issues with parentage. All of us have issues with uh, uh, with, well, with the generations that we find ourselves in. And so I think this idea of the spiritual family in the Bible, Jesus actually breaks down the idolatry of what we might call the old school nuclear family. And he doesn't replace it with the family of choice that, that our progressive friends like to use so much, but it's a different kind of family of choice based on Jesus' choosing, based on people responding to God's grace and love. A family of choice that's rooted in grace and love, not a family of choice rooted in how I feel about my attractions or how I feel about my politics or how I feel about my nationalism or whatever, whatever, my ethnicity, but rather a family that is rooted in response to love being the same versus something else being the center of our identity. So it's a kind of different family of choice, but we are a spiritual family because of Jesus. And that allows us to let the debate rip and wrestle with sinfulness and brokenness and blessedness and what fits in what categories because our center is not those categories. It's not those identity politics that our world loves to spend so much time on, especially here in the West, but rather our center is an identity of deep, total belovedness by the creator of the universe. And that changes everything, how we relate to one another. It gives room for grace and truth. It gives room to wrestle. It means the center is more important than the boundaries. The center holds because the center is Christ and he is there. His life teachings, death and resurrection. And so we believe it's vital for people to gather both in small groups and larger community. And that we create safer places to question and to connect deeply with others. Places that are so safe you can question the values of the liberals and the fundamentalists at the same time. And the middle people. You can wrestle with all of it. Those safe places are shrinking in our society, I dare say. The polarization, the church of us versus them, the secular divisions, the demonizing the people that they're just not as smart as we are, whoever we are in the in-camp and the out-camp, in whatever ideology, all the ideological-driven messes, our center is different. That means that we can actually question those ideologies and still love holds us. Not love defined, by the way, by those identity markers, but only one which is a Jesus-shaped identity. I could say more about that authentic community, and we will. How do we build that? That's going to be much of our focus in the next months. A diversity. Of course, we want to reflect that the kingdom of God, that we belong to one another, which is made up of people in all walks of life. That my family of origin and my background is not supreme or better And that yours is not supreme or better, but that we learn to submit to one another in love. I submit to you. Paul says this in Ephesians. He talks about submitting to one another in love. And Jesus meets us wherever we are. So we want to see people across social, cultural, generational divides in our church. And some of those hardest divides, by the way, aren't the ones that we often are presented with in media. When you actually live in a church 
and you wrestle with each other, you learn that some of the divisions that we, are, that we overlook, that we have blind spots to in our culture because we don't think about it as much like social economic is a huge one. And of course, dealing with issues of racism and prejudice, uh, those things are important that the church names because from day one, the church was a society, was an organization, was a beloved community of people tearing down outrageous walls. You see this in the New Testament, Jew and Gentile, huge wall, religious barrier, cultural barriers. Men and women, slave and free economic barriers in the ancient world, huge walls. And Christianity from day one tears down walls and enters in because the core identity is no longer those things. It's who he says we are as beloved children of God and that we are brothers and sisters. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to ignore injustice. I'm not saying that. Don't misunderstand that at all. We repeat that, don't misunderstand that, because injustice is also named clearly in Scripture and throughout the church when the church has been truly faithful. So, again, we are called into this community. Three other values quickly. Biblical truth. We're guided by the Bible. I don't have time to do a full apologetic defense of how, why Scripture is reliable and how it is something that the book of the church, we can stand on it. But there's so many great resources out there. William Craig Lane. Um, if you want to get into some of the more free will defenses of God and, and creation, look up some stuff by John Polkinghorn as well. There's just amazing, incredibly intelligent believers that talk about God and Scripture and tradition and historicity and all of that. So we use the Bible. It is the book of the church. And we understand Jesus primarily through the primary autographs of the text of the New Testament. Um, and this is how we know Jesus, through the scriptures as well, and by the Holy Spirit, making Jesus real in our time right now as well. So the scriptures and the Spirit work together and inform us and guide us. Final two values quickly this morning. I hope you're still with me. I know we're still adjusting to just video again. Prayer and transformation. And these really go together. In prayer, we align ourselves with God's purposes. Prayer is about tending to God's presence in our lives. Prayer is about shutting off the phone, turning away from the screen, and focusing on being present in silence often, or with words. There's both contemplative and charismatic, and usually mashed together. Um, but those things together, how we respond and we listen and tend to God's presence. And that we believe that the prayer is the thing that motivates and sustains the energy of the Spirit of God in the church. It's how we connect with God uh, in a way that goes beyond just head knowledge and moves us into the heart and moves us into the experiential, into our bodies, through our words, through our thoughts, through our postures, that all of those things help shape us and be attentive to God's presence. And so we are a people of prayer. And finally, we value transformation. Value five, that Jesus changes everything. We are saved from the power of sin and death by his resurrection, his grace. We experience that newness of life in him if we're willing to let and cooperate with his Holy Spirit within us. And again, transformation is over the lifetime. For some things in your life, it may be instantaneous. Boom, you get zapped by the Holy Spirit. I'm enough of a charismatic Anabapticostal to believe in instant deliverance. Someone that's struggling with an addiction or struggling whatever or has a disease. And occasionally there's this time and we don't know all the variables, but sometimes it's bam. It's just they have been set free and they walk free from it in a newness of life. Praise God for those stories. But... Most of transformation, dear friends, is the slow, plodding deliverance of learning to be a worshiper, learning to tend to God's presence, learning to get real in community with other believers on the way in Jesus as well, and trusting the Holy Spirit's work over time in shaping our character to be more like Jesus. 
Of course, the you version, the version of you and Jesus in your personality. He doesn't like zap, take away your personality, but it becomes the, the best version, to use more secular language, the best version of yourself because of Jesus working within you by the Holy Spirit. We believe that that is real and that people can indeed experience change. And it's not necessarily like change from, I went from light to dark. I mean, that happens too, but more about change of you becoming the Christ-like version of yourself versus the version of yourself that is turned and caved inward. The version that is experiencing, what does it mean if you were completely secure and knew that you were completely loved and completely cared for in the deepest sense of who you are and how that changes how you are? That's transformation by God's grace. Not necessarily that you all of a sudden become a different, um, you know, uh, I, I, I was this one day and now I'm a chair the next day. No, no, it's more about you become more fully who you are and who he's designed to be. So let me get to the last little part here and then we'll land it. Our strategies, by the way, I should just say this quick. Unified teaching between Sunday morning and home church. Home church and Sunday gatherings are so important to us. In fact, home churches are on holiday break right now. When they restart, if you're not in one, please get in one. Home churches are where we wrestle with the Sunday text, where we discern what we've heard, where we dig into the scripture again, and where we try to learn to be an authentic community together. And so home churches and Sunday gatherings work together, and they're unified uh, to apply and to do the stuff of scripture uh, and to wrestle with it as well. We believe in gathering together as a community. In fact, in COVID, when we had to stop the first time gathering in community and then we reopened under limited guidelines with masks and RSVPs and all of that, we learned something powerful that when the community gathers, even in limited numbers, even in rotating slots, that there is something about the Holy Spirit that happens when we gather in face-to-face -face community. And it may never be the same as it was before, but I believe that over 2,000 years it, where the church has survived plagues and pandemics before where there were no vaccines on the other side, that the church has found that there's something of the Holy Spirit when we are rejecting Gnosticism and that it does matter what we do with our body, including when we gather with others. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how we continue to, to wrestle with that. But we believe gathering matters. And in the short term, we will do the video and do whatever we have to do. But that gathering, even in that live time together, there's something unique that happens. There's an energy of God there. I would call that an anointing of the Holy Spirit when we gather and then again, homes, that our homes are open and outward as well, not just simply closed spaces. And finally, our other strategies involve making spaces for our next generations to learn about Jesus, which again, during COVID, we're really wrestling with. And compassion, how we serve others who are wrestling with uh, needs, generally material needs. How do we express compassion in our church? And we want to do that in a way that's not shaming. We want to do that in a way where we envelop people into our community in a way that doesn't isolate you if you're dealing with a material need that you don't feel like there's a big spotlight on you. Um, it's not us versus them, whoever us is, whether those with lots of things and those with less things, but rather that we find ways that we incorporate one another regardless of where we're at in the social economic uh, situation and we meet real needs. And we've done that informally and formally in our church over the years and continue to wrestle with that as part of one of our main strategies of expressing the love of Jesus to our neighbors. All right, so I just want to give you the last little bit, and then we'll end. Whew, that was a lot. That is what we're about here at Pilgrim Church. We're here to help learn how to love, 
how to invite people into that, how to call people to flourish in a way that our world doesn't, to root our lives in something that is beyond all the identity markers and claims of the world, to root our lives in the outrageous love and life of Jesus and his grace and his truth. And we wrestle and we work and we strive and we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That is why we exist as a local church. This is what guides us. This is what will guide us into 2021 as well. And by way of learning, going deeper in 2021, we're going to spend some specific months on talking about four areas of discipleship, four areas of following Jesus, four areas, to sum it up, to use a biblical word, irony or shalom, peace, wholeness in Christ, four directions of peace. And these four directions are very simple. We're going to spend about two months talking about this upward direction, and that's, think of upward generically, not necessarily spiritually. Think of it spiritually, not spatially. Uh, up is, it's not that God is up there in the literal sense, but in this spiritual sense of connecting. We want to talk about peace with God. We want to talk about understanding what does it mean that Jesus came to destroy religion. We're going to use Bruxy Cavey's book in the next two months, End of Religion, the updated edition, and preach through parts of that and discuss it in home church about what does it mean to be one who is awakened to have peace with God. What does peace with God mean? What is that, what is that Jesus way of understanding that? We want to spend two months with that. Uh, we'll also have some guests during that time. We're working with them, possibly having April Yamasaki back in as well. Uh, to, to sort of break up the teaching and provide some other insights. Um, so we're excited about that. The other things we're going to talk about in 2021, we're going to spend about two months talking about peace with yourself. Peace with yourself. Now, this is things uh, using the curriculum, both in teaching on Sunday and then in home church, of emotionally healthy spirituality. Now, many of you have gone through that before, but this emotionally healthy spirituality stuff talks about creating patterns and rhythms in our life that bring order to, to the emotions and help us name emotions, and then what do we do with them? And sometimes we get deceived in thinking we can just pray our way to something when, yes, prayer is important, but if we don't name the other things that are shaping us in our emotions and our triggers, uh, we may never experience the breakthrough that God intends. And this is scriptural, it's biblical, we're going to root it in that for about two months. And then there's two other things we want to do in 2021. It's not the whole year, mind you, by the way, but most of the year. We want to talk about uh, personal peacemaking. And this is something that I am passionate about because I often mess it up. <laughs> um, personal peacemaking. And we want to use stuff from, from Ken Sandy, a Presbyterian Church in America guy, and some other resources as well. But I want us to learn, what is forgiveness? What does a real apology sound like and look like? And what is reconciliation? And we want to drill into that personal peacemaking. How do we deal with offense? How do we steward offense in a way that honors who we are? And then finally, in 2021, we talk about stewardship of stuff. Stewardship of stuff or material. I was trying to keep them all S-words, but uh, stewardship of stuff, a material. How do we relate to creation, the creation that we are in? How do we care for creation? Why should we care? And also our bodies and also our resources. And so we want to talk about all the things that make up the material aspects of our life and that the spirit is engaged with that as well. So let me just end by teasing you with this. And we'll jump in next Sunday. Bruxy Cavey in his book, End of Religion, in the introduction, quotes from Amos chapter 5, verse 21. And the Lord is speaking through the prophet Amos, and he says this, I hate, I despise absolutely your festivals, and I have no delight in your religious assemblies. Jesus, uh, Jesus, Bruxy Cavey says this, 
The unholy alliance between religion and politics wrecks havoc, or wreaks havoc by building a society on the myth of all myths, that this universe is run by coercive power rather than by humble love. In Hosea 6.6, Jesus quotes, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. In this new year, we'll begin by talking about this idea of repenting of religion or undoing religion, that Jesus has come to actually undo religion, and that Christianity as a construct confuses the structure with the substance, and the substance is Jesus, and we want to deal uh, with that. He says this, that once the structure stops serving relationship, it starts substituting for the relationship, it has become the enemy of God. And so this morning, I want to just give you one more quote from Bruxy. The primary mission of Jesus, and we're going to talk about this starting next week. The primary mission of Jesus was to tear down religion as the foundation for people's connection with God and to replace it with himself. Let me say that again. The primary mission of Jesus, and this is so important, we're going to spend time unpacking it. The primary mission of Jesus was to tear down religion as the foundation for our connection with God and to replace it with himself. The divine coming to us in our own context and in our own form. And this is what Jesus calls the kingdom of God. So my final word. Know the vision. Get clarity about it. Why are we here? Why are we doing what we're doing? Know that if we don't have clarity on it, every secondary, third level, fourth level thing, every tail starts wagging the dog. If you've not heard that phrase before, the tail wagging the dog versus the dog wagging the tail. Vision matters. And finally, I want you to join with me in 2021 as we explore what does it mean to mobilize our lives for peace and to engage with the peace of God in Jesus in four key areas, with God, with yourself, with others, and with stuff. We want to pursue that this next year together. So let's pray, and we're going to sing our way out this morning. Will you join me in this new year exploring what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, the shalom of God, mobilizing for peace in 2021 as a Jesus-centered, Jesus-way church here in Vancouver. Join with me. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. And we thank you that you care for us. And that you continue to want to shape and form a community that witnesses to your love and is a community of belovedness. And Lord, we know that there are so many other things that are pressing in on us, but they need to be reordered and that our hearts and our desires need to be reshaped. And God, help us to learn to communicate that well, to share it, to teach it, to do it, to be it. That we would be people known and marked as people of Jesus. People known by that love. Now, Holy Spirit, we give 2020. 2020 over to you. And Lord, we do pray for new blessings in 2021. But whatever come, Lord, we will be your people. We will be those that are driven and known by your love, Jesus. Because that is what makes people new. That is what makes life worth living. That is what brings deepest of joy. And lets us enjoy all those other identities in their proper place. We give this to you in your name. Amen.